If you weren't here last week, I want you to listen to last week's message. It was called Unpolluted, and uh, it wasn't anything about sin, really. It was all about what God has given you um, inherently, what you were born with, your DNA. Uh, I got more responses back from that message than I've, I think I've ever gotten. So those that are watching online as well, um, I, I encourage you to listen to last week's message. It was an encouraging word, right? It was an encouraging word. I, I wouldn't say today is an encouraging word. <laughs> In fact, the first thing I wrote down is get yourself boot, get your bootstraps on for today's. Um, this message today comes a little bit in a corrective form. I don't normally give messages like this maybe a few times a year. I give them when I really believe the Lord wants me to. Uh, it's not like I enjoy this, but I do enjoy a good teaching within corrective words. And I think this is a teaching today. Um, it's not my job in any way, shape, or form to tell you to be, I've said this so many times, to be a social, social policeman. Not only does that bore me, it's just not scripturally what I'm supposed to do. What I am supposed to do as a pastor, though, is I'm supposed to expose the truth of God's word in a loving way and be supportive to you to help you walk it out. I'll say that from, I'll just use John, who's a great brother of mine for 25 years. There's times where him and I over the last 25 years have shared things to one another. I can think of you know, some individual times where he wanted to punch me. He probably does that more than I know, actually, but I can, I can think of times where the truth came from me in a loving way, and then my commitment to him as a brother was to walk it out with him. And that is important in the body of Christ for us to understand that not everything that we see in Scripture is always going to rest in our spirit right away. That's the concept behind meditation, and it's the concept behind the illumination of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Now, how you deal with that conviction, how you, how you surrender and submit to that word, that, that does have a lot to do with you. You have a much better chance, though, if you're connected side by side with someone who wants to walk it out. So again, I'll say today before I give this message, I have no intention to just kind of box you around. My intention today is to show you the word of God in a very, very clear way and then be supportive to walk it out with you. I will say this on top of what I just mentioned, that today is unique because I really believe there's an opportunity for a miracle at the end of service. Now, I want to tell you what I define a miracle. A miracle is if I, the law of gravity... So if I took this bottle and dropped it and it didn't drop on the ground, that would be a miracle. There's laws that govern the earth, that govern human nature. I'm going to talk about one of those laws. And if God changes one of those laws, that's a miracle. Yes? I felt like this morning in prayer over this message that, I mean, look, that God wanted to do a miracle to change something. You may not think it's the type of miracle that you're looking to see, but I do, okay? So you have to get the teaching first. Let's start out with a baseline. Everybody ready to hear today? Okay. All right, let's start out with a baseline of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is just to get the foundation of the message going today. It says this, for though we live in the world, that's all of us, 
We do not wage war as the world does. We live in the world, but we don't wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We did an entire series for about eight weeks on the armor of God where we talked about, hey, listen, if you're wanting to fight as the world does, you are going to get your butt kicked. But you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ as you hold onto the armor of God that is available to you that you appropriate. What does appropriate mean? It means take as yours and put on as yours. There are, there are weapons of spiritual warfare that you have the ability through your tongue and through a, um, a surrendered heart to God to cast down and cut down any demonic force that would ever come and attack you. Somebody say amen to that. So what, what we see here really quick is we said we, we don't get, as Christians, we don't get to um, wage war as the world does. The world wages war not just in the physical sense with weapons and all that, but I'm also talking about um, uh, one of the ways the world would wage war is through manipulation, through coercion, through intimidation. Th- that's not what we are. We're not allowed as believers to operate in that way. And every one of us has failed in that in some relational setting before. But we do not wage war. We are not supposed to, as Paul's talking about here. And in the context, by the way, he's trying to prove himself to this group that he's writing to, saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to um, convince you in the way that you've been convinced before. I'm, here's, here's where my authority comes from. By the way, you have authority. Say amen. amen. Okay, that's important. The second one, just to lay some foundation today, is a real familiar verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says this, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Man, I'm so grateful that I serve a living God that I can access at any time. He lives in me and was given to you by God. I love the next part, but it's hard for us to get sometime. You do not belong to yourself. Well, dang it. But it's true. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So what these two verses married together are supposed to kind of show you to start out today's message is that we're not able to be like the world because we don't belong to the world. Pretty simple. So today's message is called (laughs) self-sabotage. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Self-sabotage. I love what Nikki did with this, man. Right? The truth is, is so many of us sabotage ourselves. And I think this is a very, very important message at the beginning of the year for us to get. See, there's a crazy temptation in 2021 and in 2020, 2020, 2020, that um, there's a temptation for the flesh man in each of us that's super undercover for a lot of us, that goes without notice for a lot of us and kind of eats us from the inside and sabotages us. It's permeating right now, currently, the body of Christ that, as a pastor, I've never seen before. And that is this this sin or this sabotaging thing is, is that we as Christians, we, we, not you, we, I'm adding myself, we as Christians are getting our enjoyment, are getting our entertainment 
from the giving, the taking of opinions and judgment of other people. And frankly, with this entertainment that we're taking part in, we look no different than anybody sitting at the local bar that is not a part of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, that in itself is a good message, right? That, that, uh, that, that, this is, that, that could simply be a warning, and I could preach on that, right? The, I could preach on the sin of flippant, flippant judgment that many of us partake in. That's too easy, I think, for us this morning. And frankly, it hasn't really, like the warning of, of, of how what Marge's word came forth there, it may have not hit you, right? Because it's too easy just to go, oh, that's not me. But what I want to do today is I want to expose us on a different level of why um, us per paying attention to our entertainment and what we speak out of our mouth, how that actually is important to your future. Now, we, we've, we've, man, we have done this verse in 10 years probably 30 times when I'm about to show you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Don't be deceived. Why would Paul say that? Why would he say don't be deceived? Because people are being deceived. Like anybody ever just like left, uh, you know, you kind of, it's easy to tell yourself like when you're on the, when you're on the treadmill and you're, and you're going and you're not yet to a mile, but you're at 0.7 and just go, I did a mile, right? That's called self-deception, like, you didn't do a mile, but you sweat like you did, and last night was you ate some ribs, and you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you didn't do a mile, but you can tell yourself you did, and when you get home to your wife, you go, I ran a mile today, babe, right? That, that's self-deception, okay? So what Paul's saying here, for some strange reason, if you actually read the context of this, not some strange reason, because there's some weariness happening in serving and in giving, he's saying, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Another version says, God can't be fooled. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Man, we have preached this forever. And I always will because I love the truth behind it. It really is the law. Remember I said the law of gravity, and that's where the miracle is going to come in place, where God spoke to me very clearly for you this morning and for you online. Okay? The law of the seed is something that has been established since the beginning of creation. It's very, very simple. There's two things with the law of the seed. Whatever goes in the ground comes out. So, right, you plant an orange seed in the ground, you cannot get an apple that comes out of there. You just can't. You're just going to produce after its own kind, right? But the second thing is this with the law of the seed is the fruit of the seed is always more than one. So it multiplies in the ground, right? It multiplies and does what it does supernaturally. I believe supernaturally. That is the law of the seed. God won't be mocked. This always happens. And this is important for us in the practical and also in the spiritual, this principle of multiplication. Because as a father of a 7-year-old and a 12-year-old, this is what the options I kind of get. The options I get is this. If I sow into my 7-year-old and my 12-year-old, if I sow love into them, 
if I sow honesty into them, if I sow, sow grace into them, if I sow humor into them, if I sow gentleness, if I sow respect into them, I'm going to see that later down the road. I might not see it when, uh, when I say, hey, listen, buddy, you need to put your game away. I may not see it right now, but how I do it, how I sow into them, I will see that long-term down the road. Conversely, if I sow into my son's anger, if I sow bitterness, if I sow deceit, if I sow entitlement, if I sow manipulation, I'll reap that as well. Everybody good with that? Now, we've had messages on this, and and I've said multiple times that we have to take this verse literally. And if you really did take this verse literally, like if it became a governor for you on a consistent basis, it would almost eliminate many times the flesh man. Because we would know, hey, when I raged out there, I'm going to see it back there. Right, so I talked with somebody like a few weeks ago, and he was talking to me about this. Hey, Pastor Jay, I don't have any money right now. My license got suspended, and my wife is at odds with me. And, 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 man, of course, I was conversing. But I said, well, dude, what was four months ago like? So, like, if you don't like your present fruit in your relationship, in your, be real, in your bank account, then what you have to do is you have to go analyze back here what you sowed. Because the principle of the seed is true. If I sowed this here, I'm going to see it later. Okay? We get that. So what, what does this have to do with this self-sabotaging? I think some of us have to analyze a little bit more um, some of the seed we've been sowing. Let me show you something out of Numbers chapter 12. Maybe many of you have not heard this, message, this, this, uh, this story before, out of Numbers chapter 12. It says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Another version says an Ethiopian. So, so here we go. We've got Miriam, who is the sister, right, of Moses and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron are beginning to talk about Moses because of his Ethiopian wife. Some of you are going to say right off the bat, well, hey, I thought, I thought Zipporah was, was actually... Um, she was a Midianite. Well, a couple things. One of that could have been um, that this is a second wife that Moses had. One is that Zipporah might have died, and then he married another wife. We don't know. But what we see right here is in the, is in the Old Testament, we're already seeing a little bit of racism. So we've got Miriam, and we've got Aaron, two close people, two Moses going, I don't really like her, and I don't like that he married her. And they loved it. Now, I want to show you this next verse because it, it's, it's actually kind of funny to me. Go to the next one. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Wait a minute. Go to the first verse again. I thought there was a problem with who they married, who he married. That wasn't the problem at all. What's, this, what's the real heart of the problem here? Go to the next verse. The real, the real heart of the problem is one thing, jealousy. So what we've got is we got Miriam and Aaron having a Starbucks coffee, looking at all the people out there and going, you know, that Moses just thinks he can marry whoever he wants to. 
It wasn't a problem just with the girl. The problem was internal inside their heart going this. We don't like that God only talks to Moses. They're just talking. And you know what? Look at what what I underlined there. And the Lord heard this. Dun, dun, dun. Uh Uh-oh. That's not good. Like, like, you got to understand, though, that the Lord hears what you say. Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord hears what you say. Look at the next verse here. Verse 3. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. It's describing Moses. I think it's ironic because Moses wrote this, right? Like he wrote that he was humble, right? More than anyone. Kind of weirded me out there. Like, all right, Moses, we got you, dude. (laughs) Man, self-indulgent much? Yeah, right? So Moses is the most humble man on the earth, (laughs) at least by his account. (laughs) Okay. But now I I want you to see what happens with, I want you to see what happens with God here. Okay. Verse verse 4 or 5. And the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. Come on, boys. Come on, girl. So the three of them went out. Now watch next. Keep going. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam when the two of them stepped forward. Up until this point, we see the Lord leading them in the pillar of smoke and the, and the, fire, uh, the fire at night and the cloud by day. But we only see God communicating them with them audibly. But what we see right here is the Lord came down. Tell me he doesn't have some personal interest in this situation. Here comes the hammer. Okay. Next verse. He said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I just want to make sure, I didn't even plan this. It's not in the notes, but I got to make sure you know something. Cheryl came up with the word from the Lord today. Heaven knows. You better not sit there and go, nah, nah. Your doubt. Like God has gifted individuals to be at this church at this time to edify this body. And some of the things that they do and say probably won't coincide very good with your comfort. But I'm going to tell you something. You want them to deliver the word of God. I want to make sure you get that. That if we have ever, if we ever quench the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form within this church, we have to shut the doors immediately. Right? We have to. And it might be awkward, and it might be unique, and it might not fit always in the perfect um, little neat Christianese box. And you know what? Who cares? If you want to go to a place that's nice and clean and primp and proper, then you should find one, because this place is not. We are a bunch of weird people, right? Some of you are like, yeah, okay, hey. I love the PR rep. She's just like, God, oh my God. This guy, talk about self-sabotage, right? All right. The Lord's very clear about his word. When his word comes forth, right? 
And there's a prophet among you. I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them to dream in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. Look at this. With him I speak face to face. There's a little separation there. Clearly and not in riddles, he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. Now watch what happens. Go ahead. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord. Oh, now he's, now he's on Moses' sake, right? Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her. Keep going. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she have not been in disgrace for seven days? Don't tell me that God's not serious, man, about sin. Well, we're under the grace law. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord does not mess around. It doesn't affect God. It doesn't make his holiness there. It doesn't change your eternal value. It doesn't change the process of you being used. You are under grace. It is by grace that you've been saved. But I'm telling you, he doesn't want you participating in sin, period. Well, I just don't get, I don't like that. You don't have to like it, but you have to read it because I am right now, (laughs) right? This is the word. So Miriam was confined. She's the first quarantined, man. She got it first. Confine her with a mask and don't let her touch anyone, right? Outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. Okay. So we had a lot of fun with that. But what I want you to know is that Miriam sabotaged herself. By the words she spoke, she changed her future. By what you say, you change your... What does it mean to sabotage? Sabotage looks, right? It's it's when there's a vision happening, when you're part of something, when you're doing something, when you're going one way, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something adversely changes that, right? When you're you're saving up um, to go on vacation, and all of a sudden, your transmission goes out. That's being sabotaged, right? When you uh, when you are um, um, when you're down four pounds in the gym for the year, and then someone brings you to your house a plate of chocolate chip cookies, right? With like the salt on them, right? She did that, right? You see, these are my stories, <laughs> okay? Right? When you're going to take a nap, and all of a sudden your six-year-old wants to play wrestling, that's sabotage. And sabotage happens to us as people because we are people and there's other people in the world. That happens a lot of times. I'm going this way and then all of a sudden one of you decide to drop an email that scathes something and, that's, and then I, I'm changed by that. But I'm telling you this, you control if you sabotage yourself by here. You change your future by this coming out of your mouth. See, Miriam sabotaged her future by the judgment that she expressed. She sowed rebellion in her words. The next thing she looks up and she's got leprous skin. And so the caution to us today is that we need to watch out in our day-to-day entertainment. Because I can tell you right now, Miriam and Aaron were good, godly people. 
You know, they, they, we don't have any evidence, and I'm going to show you in a second, we don't have any evidence that they had ill will towards Moses other than the fact they didn't like the wife that he married for some weird reason. That's not very, <laughs> that's not proprietary to just them. We have that in our own families now, right? But the second thing is what? Is they spoke against, in, in I think a very flippant way, against the man of God and changed their future. I had lunch with um, three guys a couple weeks ago. We had a 90-minute lunch, roughly. On the way home in the car, I went, wow. In those last hour and a half, we did nothing than project other Christians and what they're doing in their life. And it was a fun lunch. But for an hour and a half, we just talked about people. But a lot of the things that we said were not only unfounded, they were unspiritual. They were ungodly. We started testing the motives of why a certain person in power does a certain thing, even though we don't know that person. This is a good godly people, three godly men sitting around having a good sandwich, and we're talking about people like it's popcorn. Like it's a movie. We're laughing, we're joking, and none of it is edifying. And I want you to know today that this affects you more than you know. More, right, than just the people you're speaking of. Again, Miriam's a godly woman. She's the woman that at the beginning, Moses is born, and she makes sure that Moses gets to the right person. Right? She follows the plan of God in that way so that Moses ends up becoming part of Pharaoh's um, household. Right? If you look at Miriam here in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 through 22, look at this real quick. Then Miriam, the what? The prophet, a voice of God. Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her. I, I can't wait to see. what the- She's a leader. She's a godly person. She's writing songs for the Lord. She's praying for their deliverance. I mean, this person... That's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm not saying that you're an evil person. I'm saying you better watch out what comes out of your mouth because in a moment, Miriam, the leader, the prophet, the one that led other women, all of a sudden had leprosy on her. Because of what? What a man sows, he will reap. Her tongue got her in trouble. She sabotaged herself. Okay, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. This is real. This is real. Take it. Okay. There are six things the Lord, he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. There's some six things that he'd rather you not do. No. I think there's one, uh, there's a verse that says, or the version that says, he abhors. Like this, like, whoa! I have rage against her. Right? He hates it. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Ooh. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. 
You don't want to be a part of that. Here's my thing, guys. In 2021, believers cannot be on the hook for this kind of thing. In 2021, we as Christians cannot look like the world. We can't wage war like the world's waging war. We can't. We can't stir up conflict. We can't, we can't devise wicked schemes for our own benefit. We can't have lies that are unfounded. We can't do it in 2021. And the reason why we do it is not a heart thing. It's a casual thing. It's entertainment. Right? I turn on the news and I see three people arguing. Well, let me argue with them. Your life is not Anderson Cooper 360. It's not Tucker Carlson. It's not around the horn sports talk. This is, this is real lives with real hearts, with real consequences for what a man sows, he reaps. We cannot be responsible as believers sitting in judgment. Read a stat. 82% of non-Christians consider Christians to be judgmental. If I'm shooting free throws and I make 8 out of 10, that's good. That's a lot. Okay? I wish it was the other way around. I wish it was only 18% of non-Christians thought Christians were judgmental, but it's 82%. I don't like that for us. Every day, judgment's being cast out. And so here's, I, I, I got to go a little bit more with you. Here's the thing. What it's doing is it's placing us in a position that we don't want to be in see the bible talks about or in the new testament what jesus came to give us and we could go on this forever but one of the things that we know that he gave us right out of luke chapter 10 and verse 19 he said that we have the authority to what we have the authority to to cast out unclean spirits that you and me as christians people that have christ in us we have the authority to um we have the authority to say to this mountain move and it will be moved we have the authority to heal diseases we have the power to overcome we have the ability and again luke chapter 10 to bind something on earth and it will be bound in heaven to loose something on earth and it will be loosed in heaven how many of you know we have that authority as believers what we don't have authority given to us by god is to sit in a place of a judge over another human being. So you, you're, it's a really tough situation. Now what I want to do in the next four minutes here is I want to show you six examples to prove my point. And I'm going to read these at like nuclear speed, but I want you to see this. The first one is this, Exodus chapter 10, verse 15. 11 through 15. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at, the, at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, premeditated, and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian, hit him in the sand. The next day he went out, saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked, to the, one, he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Keep going. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh, went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Next, watch this. 
This is Abraham right here. Abraham in chapter 12, verse 10 through 16. Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to, there, to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but it will let you live. This guy had received a promise to be the father of many nations, by the way, right? Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so I will, be tr- I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw what Sarah, that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. You can tell me by your own imagination what happened to Abraham's wife. They didn't take her to the palace for a dinner. He treated Abraham well for her sake, and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Let's look at another one. i got to show you what I'm going after on this. Uh, This is Jonah. The word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah's son. uh, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the ferry, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That's the third one. we got three more. David, here we go. 2 Samuel, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he'll be stuck down and die. So when Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite did. Two more. Here we go with Peter, Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and, and when some of them had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. We know this story. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And finally, Paul, right here in Acts chapter 8. It says this, and Saul approved, Saul, Paul, approved of them killing Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply from him. But Paul, Paul, the starter of church, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged them off. And both men and women put him in prison. Why did you read all that, Jay? That was fast, by the way. But why did you read all that? Imagine, imagine for a moment if you closed the book there. If I never read anything else about Paul, I could sit and judge him all day. What an evil ungodly man. If I saw Peter right there and go, what a wuss. What a, he, he cowered, right? If I saw David, he was a murderer. But guess what? That is not where the story ended. And we are quick in that moment right there when we see a godly man to sit in judgment. Oh yeah, well I know why, why they're broken up because of course You don't know anything. And you talking about it isn't fun. You better be really, really careful because the story for that couple that's going through something, it ain't over for them. For this right here, Paul became, he became 
a mighty man of God. And every single one of us in this room have been saved by the grace of God and can become mighty men and women. So wherever you are right now, I want you to know your story is not finished. David, he slept with a girl, got her pregnant and decided, hey, listen, the best way to change this is to hide it and, and put someone out to the, to the pasture. But he was also the man that had a heart that chased after the Lord. His story wasn't finished. See, what we got to be careful, guys, is we don't sit in judgment of that. Like I said, God isn't done with you. You're not a finished product. You are not, um, you are still his workmanship. You're the Lord's child. You're bought. You're redeemed. These are things that we have to understand in retrospect of the people that we're looking at. Okay, we need to go on next level. I need you to hang with me just a little bit more, okay? Because we got to get to the end where there's something very powerful that's going to happen, I believe. Children of Israel, we, we know this when they got almost up to the promised land, right? And they're going to they're gonna leave um, where they've been w- wandering for 40 years. And they, they send out, what, 12 spies, right? They send out 12 spies. Ten come back and two come back. There's two different stories that come back. Two of them come back and go, dude, this is the deal. There's milk and honey. This place is great. We're going to have great time here. This is God's promised land. Let's do that. And then there's 10 of them that say this. Hey, the people in this land are really powerful. The people in this land are stronger. At one point they say, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. We can't go in there. And what happened? If you look at the scripture, what happens is it actually says, it doesn't say the word permeate, but it says it spread throughout the camp. The report of what they saw in the moment spread without the whole camp. Why am I saying that? Why I'm saying that is this, is it doesn't, a word of judgment doesn't only impact your future, but it has the ability to impact someone else's. Not not a lot of commands, right? These words impact others, individuals. In this building, I have heard, hey, pastor, you know that. You know that the gifts of the Spirit, they're not for now. I've heard that. Hey, pastor, listen, we've got to be really careful because we don't want to offend anyone. So I, I just want to make sure that you understand this. Your pastor will continue praying for miraculous things and supernatural giftings till the day I die. I'm not going to force anything, but I'm going to believe and hope and know that my God is greater than anything that I see with my eyes because faith has nothing to do with my eyesight. Right? So my son came up to me last week. Dad, I heard you praying something that I don't know. What what were you saying? I said, I'm going to tell you about that. And I can tell you right now, his father's prayer is this. Will you give my son the gift that you have for him? Will you feel my, I will never ever go, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's something I can't explain. I'm not going to quench the potential of my son's future or another person's future by getting my stupid insecurities, my doubt in the way of what possibly could happen here. Come on, guys. We got to be really careful when we're when we're when we're speaking things because we can change someone else's future by that. That was just one example. 
Now, if somebody comes up to me and, and says, hey, listen, is your wife, can she go out for American Idol? I'm going to tell you the truth. No, she cannot sing, right? Right? I, I can't change the future, right? It's true. I'm talking about clanging gong. Anyway, all right. I'm just kidding. The voice of an angel. Fallen angel. <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. I'm just playing. Yeah. The truth is, though, is that we have the ability in all ways to change the course of people through this. Okay. The other day, I had this spoken to me. Well, your kids are going to just be like regular PKs. And there was a lot more to it than that, but that was the gist of it. Your kids will be like PKs insinuating that they're going to rebel, that they're going to leave the Lord. That's what they, right? And you know what I said? No! I don't receive that word. I curse that word. That's a negative word, a seed, and I don't want that to take up root in a second for me. But can I tell you something? What if I was having a week like I had this week? You know, your kids, you better watch out. You, you, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to have PK kids. And I have in a week, there's a chance I might buy into that. Because I'm a human, right? There's a chance I might go, hey, sweetie, listen, I need to have somebody else lead this week because I think I just got to be home for the kids, even though I know God is calling me to be here at this church leading in prayer every single night. Again, I, I, what I'm saying is we're normal human beings that can buy what we hear. That's the reason why what you do here shows up. Okay? Let's finish this. James 4, 11 through 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. Judging and criticizing God's law. Let me put it in better words. It's like you become the law. Newsflash, you don't want to be God. Because you don't got the grace for it. You don't have the omnipotence for it. And you don't know the rest of the story. So you better get yourself quickly out of that position. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Don't get caught dead doing it. You You better be careful when you say, thus say the Lord. You better be careful when you say, oh, this is... The will of God. You better have that sought out, uh, confirmed in your spirit, right? You better have it congruent with the word of God. Because over the last 18 months, I've heard more of that than I can ever imagine. And it has great influence. So here's the thing. If you've been given that gift, man, test that out and then give it in boldness. But I will tell you again, make sure that that edifies the body. This is not entertainment, is what I keep writing down. This is not entertainment, us talking. It's, there's a purpose behind it. Okay. 
By the way, I am not delivering this message because, because I'm, I'm a lover of people and a warm-hearted person. I'm delivering this message because I don't want my future to be impacted in a negative way. Because what a man sows, he reaps. Can you imagine what would happen if we would have closed the book on Paul? Okay. So let's, I'm going to finish this. Mick, come on up, just you. I want you guys to get here with me for a second, okay? Because this is the special part of, I think, the message today. Because it's a truth message, what I preach, but this is the special part of it. The special part of it is that what I felt like the Lord was sharing with me this morning, and this may not completely click with everybody, but because we know this is a natural law, what I've spoken I'll see in my future, because, I, because we know that's a natural law, there's only one way that doesn't come to pass. You want to know? It's, a sim, it's the same as if... if uh, if I plant something in the ground, it's continually watered or whatever. The only way that that won't produce after its own is what? If I, the planter, right, if I go into the ground and I dig it up or I kill it. And so as a church body, and I'm looking at people online because I want you to join us with this, what I felt the special thing that God it kind of brought to me today was this, is if you would take the opportunity that almighty, powerful God would curse any word that you've ever spoken and it won't come back here. So, so like, let's say that a year ago, this is what you said over X person. We just learned the principle of the seed, right, in accordance with our mouth. But what I felt like God's grace was today was this. Because, okay, here, here's the thing, guys. God's grace is, is ever-present. But as we saw with Miriam, there's consequences for your actions. So I love Calvin. I love him with all my heart. But if he does something that he shouldn't, it doesn't mean I don't love him if I give him consequences. Right? Because I want him to understand the principle of the seed. So, so you got to know this. That right there, and then you experiencing the consequences of it there, right? That right there is a God-ordained principle truth but what I felt like the coolest thing was today is as I pray over the message that God would curse any negative seed that you have spoken and that is a miracle some of you have spoken words of negativity over your marriage to your close friends I love this I felt like God said Jay, give him the opportunity and I will take that seed so they won't see that back. Dude, I love that. The only God can do that because the principle is the principle, okay? So look at this uh, 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We know that this is eternal thing, but again, for, you guys just got to get with me, man. Like, I, I felt like God said this to me. Today, I'm going to take that seed. I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to curse it so that anything that, that they will not experience fruit of that. 
So that's a you thing now. The ball goes into your court. The ball goes into your court to be honest, to be truthful, and to repent of that. And if repentance comes, right, if confession comes, right, there's a purification process that comes. And God goes, this is what I see. Just bam, I take that, and they will not experience it. And to me, that is a miracle of God. Okay? So I want you to bow your heads right now.